0: Welcome home to the Mount Carmel Podcast. Today, you will be hearing a sermon preached at Mount Carmel last summer by Pastor Russell Lackey. As I've shared before, it is truly a blessing to be here. And at the very end of the message, I'll share a little bit of why it's a blessing. Or why it's been a blessing for me, but I cannot thank God enough for bringing me and my family to this place. And I was just thinking about earlier today, because it has been really a peaceful place for us and for family. And and I'm convinced it's because for decades, people have gathered to pray for this place. And when they've prayed for this place, they've prayed that people that your faith would be strengthened, that you'd be strengthened. But I know they prayed for pastors and pastors' families. I know that people have been praying. And those prayers for the last you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years, God's heard those. And I know I've been blessed by, by God at this place. And so I'd like to invite you to pray with me that this word that God has for us might bless you. Holy and gracious God, we are thankful that you are not done with us, and that even when we find ourselves most broken, that's the very place where you begin to work. And your work is always good, it's always gracious. It's difficult at times, but you are always moving. So we ask, gracious God, that wherever anyone is at this place, at this time, that you'd speak deep into their minds, their hearts, their very soul, that they would hear your good word for them. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to read this passage from Ruth, chapter 1, and then I'm not going to preach on that part at all, but I want this to be the reading. And the scene is that Ruth is wanting to go back with Naomi. And Naomi is saying, Ruth, no, you, you have to return home. And Ruth refuses to do that. So the two of them, it's Ruth chapter 1, verse 19 and following. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman said, is this Naomi? And she said, call me no longer Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi, when the Lord has dealt harshly with me? And the Almighty has brought calamity upon me. So Naomi returned together with Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, who came back with her from the country of Moab. They came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. My question for you this evening is, how do you build a life when you've lost everything? How do you build a life, a future, when you have nothing? How do you put together a life when you've been shattered or so broken by life that you don't even, and you cannot have enough glue to put it back together. How do you go forward? How do you go forward when your name is Naomi and you said, no longer call me Naomi, but call me Mara, because the Lord has dealt bitterly with me. How do you go forward? There's a word that all Christians should know. It's a Hebrew word but it's a Hebrew word that can help you go forward when everything has fall, fallen apart. And the word is chased. So I want you to say that, and I want you to say ch, like "ha, chased. Now, if you say it really well, you might spit on the person in front of you, like chased. Okay, very good. So learn this word, chasad, or chasad, if you don't want to be a little more kinder. We are Minnesotans, right? And You want to be a little nicer, so you say, chasad, chasad, right? No spitting on the person next to you, but it's chasad. Okay. The kids got it. Okay. So now you're like, what does this word mean? And chasad means this. It's, it's translated off in the Bible in the Old Testament, steadfast love of the Lord, so hased is God's steadfast love of the Lord. So every time you hear that in the Psalms in the Old Testament, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. That's the hased of God never ceases. But the hased isn't just steadfast love. It can also be interpreted mercy or the mercy of God never fails. But it can also even be translated the kindness of God never fails. Chesed, steadfast love. Chesed, mercy. Chesed, nice. Or not nice, kindness. Now it's funny, because I I slipped into that. And I, I have it written here too, but I didn't mean to slip into it. I think too often when we hear the word kind, we think nice. And especially if you're in Minnesota, Minnesota nice, right? That's a thing. Except I don't know if Minnesotans are that nice. I was here Oh, oh, let me explain. Let me explain. Look at that. See, you're not being very nice to me right now. <laughs> so when Nate and I were at seminary, the twins had gone through a bad slump and they were losing and they were losing and Chuck Knobloch decided to go to the Yankees. He's like, I'm done with the twins. I'm going to the Yankees. Any of you remember that? Yeah. Right. And for a couple of years, the Twins weren't doing well, and suddenly they got some good young players and they started winning. And so the Yankees come to town. And now Minnesota's feeling good and prideful a little bit because the Twins are starting to win again. And on Wednesday nights, they'd have like $3 um, for college students, $3, and you'd go to a Metrodome game. And when you got there, if you're a college student, you can get a dollar hot dog. Right? You remember that, right? Yes. And you sit in the outfield. Now, that's when Chuck Knoblock couldn't throw anymore, and he kind of was, and so they moved him out to the outfield. See, you're all shaking your head. So now Chuck is in the outfield. Can't throw that well. Minnesotans are feeling kind of good because they're winning. They have hot dogs that only cost them a dollar. <laughs> and suddenly, every time Chuck Knobloch got up, they start saying, Chuck, Chuck. It wasn't a very kind word that they said the whole stadium. Those nice Minnesotans are, are really like slamming Chuck. But more than that, they start throwing hot dogs on the field at Chuck Knoblock. Those nice Minnesotans. And so in between innings, they'd have to get the Zamboni out, the carpet Zamboni, and have to like scoop it all up. So I was here in Minnesota when Minnesotans lost being nice. You know the twins did win the game. It worked, that's it. But this word nice is very different than kind. Nice means restraining yourself kind means going the extra distance to help someone nice is to not kick someone when they're down kindness is offered to help them up the Bible never calls us to be nice parents do and so children be nice, that's a good thing but the Bible does call us to be kind in fact kindness is a fruit of the spirit even more than that 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient, love is? Yeah. Or Colossians 3. So, as those who've been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Kindness matters. And in the book of Ruth, The book of Ruth begins with this moment when Naomi has lost everything, and Ruth has lost everything, and here they are with nothing, and suddenly Ruth is willing to make a vow to Naomi, and her vow is this, do not press me to leave you or turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. There will I be buried. May the Lord do thus and so to me and more as well if even death parts me from you. That is Hassed. That's making a vow and saying wherever you go, I'm going to be steadfast. If that means you die there, I die there. That's the commitment. That's Hased. And for Ruth and Naomi, they had nothing at that moment except each other, a vow to care deeply for each other. And so then what happens in the book of Ruth is amazing because they now have to live out and make a life with nothing other than a vow, a commitment to care deeply for each other. And we see what happens in chapter 2. And I'll I'll read through not all chapter 2, I'll start with verse 8. It says this, because they need to eat, and suddenly, actually I'll start with verse 1. They need to eat, and we hear these words. Now Naomi had a kinsman on her husband's side, a prominent rich man of the family of Elimelech. I always mess that word up. Whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain behind someone in whose sight I may find favor, or even said. She said to her, go my daughter. So she went. She came and gleaned in the field behind the reapers, and it happened, she came to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Now here's what's so important. She has nothing, right? other than a vow to take care of her mother-in-law. And so what grand gesture does she do to, to create a life? She just goes to work. She simply tries to pick up some food so they can eat. It's not this grand gesture at all. It's just simply, hey, you're hungry. I've made a commitment to you. You've made a commitment to me. Let's go to work and let's see what happens. And so she's just working. She's just doing a simple thing. Nothing more than that. Just simple. Does Ruth have a title at this point? No. Does she have any money? No. Does she have a college degree? No. Did she go to camp at this point? No. Does she even know anything about Israel's God? Most likely no. Maybe a little bit. We don't know. But she chooses to love her mother in law. Martin Luther King Jr. said, Everybody can be great because anybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve, you don't have to make your subject and verb agree to serve. You only need a heart full of grace and a soul generated by love. And I want to pause there and talk to the college mentors for a second, the college students. You're going to college. Why? Because you want to get a degree. And get a degree, you want to have a job. And here's what's great. College will open up a lot of jobs for you. That's good. I'm not going to tell anyone, whatever job, you can do a good job. Do a job. If you want to be a nurse, be a nurse. If you want to build houses, build houses. If you want to be a plumber, be a plumber. But the key, though, is this. In that job, love. Love. In that job, serve. In that job, do your job and your work to the Lord, and God will bless it. For Naomi and for Ruth, they had nothing, and Ruth chose to do a job, pick some some produce. But she did it with love, and it changed everything. Because in doing that and acting in love, guess what happened? And this is what's so great about kindness. It unleashed kindness in someone else. It created more kindness. It created more hased. It created more love. Because down in verse 8, we hear these words. Then Boaz, who saw this woman picking, said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Keep your eyes on the field that is being reaped and follow behind them. I've ordered the young men not to bother you. If you get thirsty, go to the vessel and drink from what the young men have drawn. In other words, Boaz has seen this woman just loving, and it moves him. And he bestows kindness on her. Now, Ruth is distrustful. She's like, well, why are you doing that? Like, what's the game? What's the angle? And here is where Boaz continues. Then she fell prostrate with her her face to the ground and said to him, Why have I found favor in your sight, that you should take notice of me when I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother in your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. May the Lord reward you for your deeds, and may you have a full reward from the Lord, the God of Israel under whose wings you have come for refuge. Then she said, may I continue to find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, even though I am not one of your servants. So here's the key. All Ruth was doing was trying to love and care for Naomi, Hassad. But that unlocked kindness in Boaz. So much so that then Boaz offered more kindness to her. And a life began to be built. It wasn't built on, on anything but a vow and a desire to love. And we know the rest of the story. They got married. They had a child, whose child, whose child was King David, whose then son, 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 grandson, great, 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 great grandson was Jesus, who said these words: "Blessed are the merciful," I said, "for they shall receive mercy." Or Jesus said, as we learned just the other day. Love your enemies do good and lend expecting nothing in return your reward will be great and your you will be children of the most high for he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked be merciful just as your father is merciful or the apostle paul says these words be kind to one another tenderhearted forgiving each other just as god in christ also has forgiven you kindness has said mercy And I'll tell you right now, after a year and a half in social media of us being the opposite, of tearing each other up over politics, of Christians fighting each other over different thoughts, over power grabs, over elections, over you name it, you've seen what happens when you don't choose kindness and when you don't show mercy It starts tearing us apart. So much so that it feels like we have nothing. And yet we have everything. Because we have a God who's been kind to us in sending Jesus. And then a God who calls us to be kind to each other. That's how you build a life. Chesed. Mercy. Steadfast love. Kindness to each other. And I want to end with this thought. I'm going to get kind of vulnerable for, with you. About a week and a half ago, my wife and I were at the end of a, a long, about four months, with building and at the church and moving back into the church and Easter, and Pentecost, and a closing of, our, of the school year of her getting a car accident with our, our plumbing breaking. And we stood in the kitchen, and we had been at each other's throats for so long. And we didn't mean for it to happen. It's just that life overwhelmed us. And we found ourselves standing in front of each other Not being kind, but being the very opposite. And not knowing how in the world you go forward. So, I said, well, let's just go to camp and see what happens. And as we were driving, she grabbed my hand, turned on music, and then talked to each other and laughed, had some fun memories. And then we come here. And when Ted's talking, Ted talk every morning, (laughs) I got to sit next to my wife. And then having conversations with you and singing. And watching the kids get really tired running around with the other counselors, has said, and I'm telling you, this week has been medicine to my soul and for my family and for my wife, who we said, "Why are we crazy for spending our 20th anniversary at camp? And I think my answer now is, we would be crazy if we didn't. Because we experience kindness, mercy, grace. And so as we come forward and you're going to be receiving communion, more mercy, more grace, and when you receive a blessing for your families, that blessing is going to include a call to be kind to each other. Because I promise you, if you show mercy to your spouse or to your neighbor or to your son or daughter or grandchild, more mercy will come back. It's just how God works. And so let us this day rejoice because when you have nothing, you actually have everything because you have a God who's kind to you and will never stop being kind to you but will love you with his mercy and grace every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us on the Mount Carmel podcast. We hope you'll join in for the next episode featuring more guest musicians, preachers, and teachers.